0: I was catching up with one of my friends and the first thing we mentioned was that it's so hard to just talk and catch up on things because of the countless meetings that we have. And come to think of it, ever since the pandemic, there are more meetings that are being held as well as not much time to transition from one meeting to the other. And I think that the reality has become more meetings talking about what can be done but less work actually being done. And if you're like me, most of the time, these countless meetings leave me unengaged and deeply frustrated about the interruption of my work. So this book pulls scientific research and analysis to show how we can transform our meetings into invaluable tools for solving problems and making decisions. What meetings should be in the first place. So let's take a look at the simple tips and techniques that you can implement as soon as you can. Hi, I'm Day, and you're listening to the Daily Book Club, The Audio Experiment. Today we'll be discussing The Surprising Science of Meetings by Steven Ruggelberg. Before I begin, I'd just like to mention that there are different kinds of meetings. And this book focuses on problem-solving meetings. So keep in mind that it's mostly problem-solving meetings that the book talks about. So here are some interesting data from the book. non managerial staff meet on average 8 times weekly. For managerial staff, it's around 12 times per week and senior leaders spend majority of their time in meetings. Xerox, the printing company, estimates that meetings between their development team cost the company over $100 million a year because meetings take away time from doing actual work. Microsoft, on the other hand, asked 40,000 workers all over the world what they thought of meetings. Sadly, 69% said that their meetings were unproductive. So looking at this data and many more, if meetings are not that effective, how can we make them effective? This brings us to our three takeaways. 1. Great leaders take responsibility for their leadership abilities. 2. Understand the Parkinson's Law and create an effective agenda. 3. No more than 7 people. Takeaway number 1. Great leaders take responsibility for their leadership abilities. What does this mean? This means that leaders should take responsibility for making sure that the meeting runs as effectively as possible. They are the ones that manage time and paces the meeting according to the demands of the agenda. And when there are any concerns that the attendees have, the leader introduces it into the discussion. This is all done where the leader facilitates in an atmosphere which the attendees feel comfortable enough to express their opinions and politely disagree with one another. Again, this means that during meetings, the leader has to act as a facilitator. Takeaway number two, understand the Parkinson's law and create an effective agenda. Parkinson's law states that the length of the time needed to complete a task will expand or contract according to the time you have to do it. Remember when you were able to finish your paper or report right before the deadline? That's a good example. When it comes to meetings, you can benchmark your time depending on how previous meetings went. If you get a feel of how long your meeting should be, try to reduce it even by half. That should avoid the meeting going on and on and helps everyone focus at the task at hand. At the same time, if your participants are always late, try switching the meeting times to an unusual time, such as 8.48 a.m. This intrigues people and makes people start on time. But it's not just about the length and the time of the meeting. Another important factor is the agenda. It's a valuable meeting tool. Agendas shouldn't just really be created by one person. This is because the most important items on the agenda are those that originate from the attendees themselves. This drives commitment and accountability. So a few days before the meeting, take the time to ask the attendees what topics they would like to include on the agenda. And once you know this, carefully plan the order which the topics will be discussed since usually the first items that are discussed in the meetings tend to receive the most time and deliberation no matter what they are. So make sure the most essential goes on top. And the agenda is a good indicator too to see if a person is really needed in a meeting or not. And speaking of people that need to be in the meetings, let's go to takeaway number three no more than seven people. This is for effective meetings. It has been proven time and time again that extra attendees is actually counterproductive. and Usually, time is wasted for those who don't even get to contribute. Here's one of my favorite learnings from the book. As the meeting size increases, social loafing increases too. Social loafing pertains to the phenomenon where people tend to reduce their efforts and motivation when they work in a group. Try to think about it. Maybe it was a project that you did before where the group was bigger and then there were a lot of freeloaders, whether it was you or others that freeloaded. Another interesting point is research from Bain and company. They found out when the group increased beyond seven members, each extra individual lowered the group's ability to make an effective decision by 10%. That's pretty big. This is why people like John Kello, a management consultant that spent most of his career studying meetings, concludes that seven is the ideal number for decision-making. So let's quickly review the takeaways. One, great leaders take responsibility for their leadership abilities. Two, understand the Parkinson's law and create an effective agenda. Three, no more than seven people. Here's some actionable advice. Since meetings nowadays are mostly online, this actually encourages people to reduce their efforts and contribute less, especially when they're on mute and not seen. So as much as possible, let people turn on their cameras if they can. And if this is not possible, instead of brainstorming in meetings, try brainwriting. Ask participants to anonymously write their ideas down instead of verbally presenting them a facilitator can consolidate it and discuss it all together after. Interestingly, it was found that brainwriting meetings generated 42% more original ideas. That's almost half more ideas that can actually solve a problem. So maybe it won't hurt to try to use it in your next meeting. And that was a quick summary on The Surprising Science of Meetings by Steven Ruggelberg. Of course, these takeaways are mine, so if they interested you, try to check out the book since you might have different learnings. By the way, as another experiment, I just made a TikTok account, and it's also Daily Book Club. I'll make short-form content there as requested to get more people interested in the value of books, and let's see where it goes. And with that, till the next episode, I'm Day, and thank you for listening to the Daily Book Club The Audio Experiment.